Hey, and welcome to The Dance Reel. We are here to talk to aspiring and professional dancers about their careers and get the lowdown on what it's really like to be a working dancer. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the podcast. And welcome back to the podcast, or welcome if this is your first time tuning in. Thank you so much again for joining us today. I have a really exciting episode lined up for you today. I was lucky enough to have a chat with Chantal Pingay. She's from the Kapiti Coast in New Zealand, but she has studied in Australia and also worked in Europe. She's had such an incredible career already, and it, it was really fascinating talking to her about where she's been, where she's studied, and I can't wait for you to hear all about it. She's been a part of a ballet company in Poland, worked in Greece, and so much more. And what I admire about Chantal is she's such a go-getter. She creates opportunities for herself, which you'll hear more about later in the podcast, and just truly inspiring. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it, and Also, just a note that this podcast was recorded last year, so when we're talking about the summer, we're talking about the summer that we're currently in, which is the New Zealand summer 2019, 2019, what am I talking about? 2020 to 2021, just to save any confusion there. And also apologies, technology was not my friend with this one. For some reason, I had a few issues where it wasn't recording on my main device, but luckily I recorded as a backup on my phone, so we did have that. Um, but it's just like the last five minutes. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. But it's only like the last five minutes, so it's not so bad and you can still hear everything. <laughs> if you liked this podcast, please feel free to share it on your socials or leave us a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback. It would make my day. And yeah, thanks so much again. Hi, Chantal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much Hi. for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be be a part of your project. Um, how have you been lately? I know that you're in New Zealand when you wouldn't normally be. I've been very cold, um, but I'm, not, I'm grateful that summer's on the way. It's the first winter I've kind of done in about three years, so it was a l- little bit brutal, but we got through. We got there. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Before we get into everything, do you want to give everyone just like a very brief rundown of who you are, like um, what, a very brief description of your dance career and like where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I grew up on, in the Kapiti Coast in New Zealand. Um, I danced at quite a few different dance schools before heading overseas to finish my training. I was very focused on classical ballet um so I then danced with a couple of uh, ballet companies over in Europe before sort of changing tack completely and um doing some more sort of like commercial dancing um in hotels in Greece um which is kind of where I've been for the last three years or up until COVID hit um and so this year I've kind of found myself back at home in New Zealand and doing some more teaching and adjudicating competitions and things like that yeah oh wow that sounds amazing (laughs) yeah so how did why did you start dancing how did you get into it and did you always want to be a professional dancer um I mean it's hard to say I started I started when I was four and I just I haven't known anything different and as long as I can remember I definitely wanted to be a ballet dancer and that was 
that was my my one and only goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started just at a local dance school when I was four, mainly just ballet at first, and then slowly, slowly, as my parents let me, I added on and did a jazz class, and later on contemporary um, as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I started, yeah, I guess like a lot of of young dancers start just sort of doing it for fun or once a week or twice a week and then just yeah built up over the years then never leave yeah <laughs> yeah exactly I think that's what my um when I first joined I think my mum thought I'd be dancing for a term and then yeah haven't stopped <laughs> yes I think yeah there was a kind of that expectation there that it's a hobby and then it's like oh no yeah. it's a it's you know a career path potentially and and yeah very expensive hobby yes <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. So you did some professional training before you started working. So did you say you started that in New Zealand and then you went to Australia? So, yeah, so I was really lucky actually in that my high school principal, um, Tony Kane at Kapiti College, we sort of put a plan together uh, at the end of my year nine year because I was very keen to be homeschooled so that I could dance more. Yeah. Uh, my parents weren't having a bar of it. Um, <laughs> so I put together a plan with Mr. Kane about how I could kind of do a little bit less school and still get through sort of NCA level three a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, that let me um, graduate and, and leave um, college at the end of year 12 when I was 16. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I went over to Australia mm-hmm. for just under a year um and did some like very um classically focused training over there uh, before coming back to New Zealand and then I settled sort of back into my training at Chilton Chilton Dance Centre with Bronwyn Bennett um in Lower Hutt and I did that I was probably back for about eight months before I then moved over to Europe I went and did a couple of summer intensives um so that was like June July of 2015 and then I started um at Rudra Beja Ballet School, um, oh, wow. Lausanne, um, which is kind of, it was it was more like a junior company, but that was definitely sort of like the last step of my training, really. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, how did you find that the uh, training compared in the different countries? Um, that's really interesting. And I think, um, I mean, there's definitely a difference in, in syllabus. In New Zealand, I was trained, I did RAD, ballet, all the way mm-hmm. through. Um, and then I had, um, you know, some Russian teachers in Australia and over in Europe as well who had a different style. And then again, when I was at Rudra Beja Ballet, they have their own kind of unique um, style as well, sort of that trains trains the dancers or prepares the dancers to perform um, the repertoire of the Beja Ballet, which is quite neoclassical. Um, so I guess there are little differences in techniques or in placement um but generally I think classical ballet it's a, it's a classical art form so there, there are things there are more similarities and differences I think yeah yeah totally what was your typical day like at um Rudra Rudra Beja yes it was so my, my days there were pretty intense yeah it was um we did really long days so we usually were in at the studio at about eight o'clock in the morning and we'd have an hour before class to to warm up, to stretch, to do, a, you know, Pilates or yoga. That was very much like our responsibility, the cross-training. So in that sense, it was yeah, quite similar to a company in that, you know, we weren't told exactly what to do when. It was, yeah, there was a lot of independence and, you know, autonomy and stuff given to us. And we'd have a classical class in the morning. It would start at about 9 and would finish around 11. Mm-hmm. 
after that, we would go on and do a modern class. So we did Martha Graham technique. Oh, yeah. Um, and that would usually be uh, an hour and a half or two hours as well. Um, and that's another very intense and quite strict um, discipline or, or style of dance, really. Yeah. Um, and then to finish off the morning, we would either have a percussion class, we'd do drumming, or we'd have a classical voice class before lunch. And then after lunch, we would kind of have rehearsals from like 3 p.m. all the way through till 7 or 8 at night. Oh, that is a long um, day. So we'd be rehearsing. It's a very long day. We'd be rehearsing for, you know, upcoming performances. We often went on tour around Europe. So, again, we'd spend the afternoon either dancing or doing repertoire, working on, on part of deux. And sometimes as well we'd have extra workshops, which was really cool. We did um, theatre, we did acrobatics, um, classical Indian dance. Oh, wow, that's um, super interesting. What have I missed? But we got to try lots of different things. Oh, I forgot the most important bit. Um, we also did kendo, which is a, a Japanese martial art. I don't know if you've heard of it before. No, I haven't. So it's, so yeah, it's a martial art and we did it with, you've got these like wooden swords and full on like protective gear with like basically your face caged in in this mask and um, protectiveness over your, your ribs and your hands. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty full on. Yeah, I can um, imagine. And at, especially at the end of the day, after a day of dancing, you're so tired and then you've got to go in and, and fight basically. <laughs> um, but it was really like really good learning experience. So we definitely, definitely kept busy and, and we did that six days a week. So we only had one day off a week. So it was very, a very full on experience, but I, it was life, for me, it was life changing. Um, I basically just, you know, learned a lot about, about life through, through dance really. Um, so I have, I have a lot, a lot of people to thank um, over there at Rudra Beja because it's, um, it's actually the only school in the world where all um, all their dancers, all their students are offered full scholarships. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Um, it's completely free. After, after you get through the audition process, it's completely free um, for dancers to attend. And, and I was very lucky as well to have a living scholarship. Yeah, oh, um, wow. That made that possible. Um, so I'm very thankful for yeah all those people and all the teachers over there. Yeah. Um, have really had a big influence on my career really yeah that's awesome and sorry how old were you at that point um I headed over there when I was 18 okay yeah so still quite young which it'd be quite so full on yeah yeah moving to the other side of the world and having a full schedule like that yeah I mean I guess I'd had a bit of a a bit of a taster moving to Australia it was kind of like a stepping stone true yeah. um but it was very much like everyone who was going to Rudra Beja, it's an international school. So we had kids from, kids, yeah, yeah, <laughs> from, um, you know, Colombia, Ecuador, Uruguay, um, South Korea, Japan, all over Europe, where else? Um, Canada. Um, so we really had pretty much someone from, you know, every continent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a very mixed class and we were all in the same boat that we were moving far away from our family. So we kind of just created this family for ourselves. Um, and we looked after each other and lived with each other. And, and to this day, they are my best friends and, and they will always be my family. Yeah. Um, that sounds incredible. Yeah, my home away from home. <laughs> yeah. So um, after you were there, did you get uh, work straight away or what happened? So I was pretty lucky. I got to um, 
I got to dance with the the Beijing Ballet, so the company and the school we shared the building. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! So I was very lucky um, to go and do a season with them. Um, in my in my first year, at the end of my first year, and then partway through my second year, I got offered a contract with a, a classical company in Poland. Oh um, wow! And I was pretty gutted not to finish my second year um, at Rudra, but you know. Workers work, so yeah. I took up that opportunity and kind of moved with a couple of days' notice um, to Poznan in Poland. Oh wow! I find that seems to be a very big theme in the dance world. Is yeah, you often are moving with little notice. <laughs> Life can change yes. so quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to like make those decisions and just go for it straight away. There's not too much, not too much time to think about it. Yeah, exactly. How did you find living in Poland? Um, I mean, I always tell people I've traveled to quite a few countries and the biggest culture shock I've ever had has been in Poland. Yeah. Um, it's very different from anything I experienced. And I think, I mean, I'm sure everyone experiences it differently, but having grown up in New Zealand and then spent spending, you know, nearly two years in, in Switzerland at a school where it's very, very open-minded, very spiritual, um, and then in Poland, it was just something completely, completely different, um, you know, out in the real world and in the company. So it was definitely a culture shock for me. Um, and at times a bit of a struggle to find where I sort of fitted in, really. Mm, yeah. Um, did you find there was a language barrier or were you mostly speaking English? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a struggle as well. Um, so in my company they mostly spoke Russian and Polish so it was a mix so the director actually the director of the company who was there kind of half of the season he spoke a little bit of French as well so I was able to communicate with him in French oh okay yeah um but the dance masters and mistress they only spoke Russian and Polish so I mean for the first few months there I couldn't even tell the difference between Russian and Polish and I didn't know which was which because they were constantly in- interchanging in class um so it was a struggle but after a while you kind of you know you understand the numbers you understand basic directions um, yeah. I'm not sure that I'd be able to follow follow instructions now because it's been a while um but yeah that was definitely part of the challenge and you know in Poland itself as well the country a lot of the older generation don't speak English either so you're relying on on young people to try and help you out um, where you need. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. And so how long were you there in total? Um, not so long because I came in sort of partway through a season. I was replacing someone who was injured. Oh, okay. Um, so I did just under a year, I think, um, in the end. Oh, that's amazing. And were you just in Poland the whole time or did you travel with that company? Um, no, I was in Poland the whole time, um, for that I had one little I had a long weekend where I made a quick trip back to to my friends and family in Switzerland um but no other than that we we had our home theater we were in this big um sort of opera house and and we were based there we did all of our shows there yeah oh wow what was the rehearsal schedule like in the show season was that also um, quite full-on or did you get some down so much more chill it was way more chill than what I was used to in Switzerland I was bored Oh, wow. um, I had to pick up hobbies. It was it was a shock <laughs> to the system, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we had a weird schedule. We'd start at, at 
nine or 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. We'd go through till 1 p.m. in the afternoon. And then we'd have a big break. Um, and then we'd come back at about 6 p.m. and we'd rehearse till 10 or do a show. Um, so we'd have this big break in the middle of the day, which is, was kind of like a bit daunting to fill, you know, when you're used to used to dancing from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it was yeah. like, oh, what do I do with all this spare time? Yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, so even, yeah, even when we were doing shows, it was, yeah, just way more relaxed than what I'd been used to in my training, really. Yeah. Oh, that's probably nice after you've had such like an intense period was, of training. Yeah, it was probably. definitely like somewhat healing, I think. <laughs> Gave my body a bit of a chance to catch up. Yeah. yeah. And so I know that you've been in Greece the last few years. Did you go there after Poland or did you come home? Yeah. So what happened is at the end of my season in Poland, basically the um the opera house that we were in, it was very old and it was having to close down for a couple of months to be restored. So we were having an extra long summer break. And at that stage, I'd only been working, you know, not, not even a full year. So I didn't quite have the money to come home to New Zealand and I'm not someone just to sit around and and do nothing. (laughs) So I was like, right, I need to do something this summer. Um, And I'd always wanted to go to Greece. And so I just, I found this, this company who was looking for dancers and I was like, right, that would be cool. Um, And so I went over originally on a really short contract, on a two-month contract, and I don't even think they offer two-month contracts anymore. And at the end of two months, I extended to three months, and the end of three months, I extended to four months, and then I just never went back to Poland. Oh, we're just stuck here for life. (laughs) Yeah, life has a funny way of, of leading you in a certain direction, really. Yeah, totally. And so were you just dancing there? Like I know at some resorts you have to do a bit of like entertainment and mingling with the guests yeah. or... So it was, a, it was a mixed role originally and I kind of, I was quite happy to go in and, and do some entertainment as well um, because I was quite shy. I was very, very shy growing up um, and so I wanted that challenge of having to, having to talk to people um, to sort of like make some personal progress. So I was doing all sorts. During the day, I was doing fitness instructing. So I was doing um, Pilates and yoga and stretch classes with the hotel guests and aqua gym. Oh, cool. That sounds um, fun. I was also doing a little bit of sports. So I was doing volleyball, water polo, um, darts, um, all sorts of things. So I really got to try a little bit of everything. And then, of course, in the evenings, we we were dancing. We had shows. Um so that was, yeah, it was just an amazing experience, really. Yeah, it's amazing. Your shows, did you do like a new show um, like every week or did you repeat the same shows? Um, so in my first season, I mean, it really depends on the hotel, but in my first season, we had four shows, which we kind of rotated over, over 10 days. Yeah. So we'd be pretty much doing two or three shows a week. Okay, cool. Um, so we, we had a bit of a rehearsal period at the start of the season and then it was a bit of hard work uh, the first month or so um, just getting it getting it ready. Um, but once, yeah, once you've learned all the shows, yeah, we do them, yeah, on rotation we had four shows. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, how many dancers were with you? Um, again, it depends on the hotel, but in my first season, if I remember rightly, we were a team of 10 uh-huh. but that was including our our DJ and lighting person and again we had some people in the team we had one singer um, and some people who were more sort of focused on um, the sports or childcare entertainment so we had 
um, people who could dance but maybe weren't dancers who were also involved and then we had professional dancers as well so it was, so it was a mixed team but all up we were we were 10 I think yeah oh nice I can imagine you guys would all get um be like really close-knit <laughs> being together all the time oh, oh absolutely yeah when you're working all day together and then you're living together and again it's like a, it's a second family um and I still keep in touch with with them and and, and that's really cool as well to, to have made those connections and those friendships. yeah that's so nice um and yeah, like I've asked with the other things, what would be a typical day look like? Um, if there is a typical day, like perhaps it changes day yeah, to day. It's, it's <laughs> no typical day. It changes every day, which is, I mean, part of why I love it. But, I mean, usually we'd start at about 10 o'clock in the morning. And maybe, I mean, often the dancers are responsible for the fitness activity. So maybe at 10.30, I would have a yoga class. Um so I would go around the hotel pool or the resort pool and I would invite the guests to come and join me for my yoga class. And usually the classes only last about half an hour because it's really hot and maybe, you know, maybe they've never done fitness before or so it's quite, quite basic most of the time. So we do, yeah, I don't know, maybe start with yoga and then after we'd finish that, again, we would um, go around the pool and invite people for our next activity and quite often the next fitness activity in the morning is aqua gym and it's kind of like the highlight of the day because you've got you know a hundred guests in the pool in front of you you've got your headset microphone on I've um, got the music pumping and you just do this like half fitness half fun um, kind of class in the pool yeah that so sounds so much fun really epic experience and definitely I've had some fantastic memories come from that. So that's like the morning session. And then we have um, our lunchtime. And so sometimes if we had a bit of extra rehearsing, we'd catch up at lunch. Um, otherwise, we would go to the hotel restaurant. So they've got this big buffet restaurant and we eat um, at the restaurant with the guests. Oh, cool. Um, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, we're well fed. Um, and depending on how tired we are, maybe we'd have time for a nap or we'd go to the beach or something in the break. Um because we didn't start back till 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, so we had a nice long break, which is awesome, especially when it's that hot. You need a bit of a breather. Um, and then again in the afternoon, we'd have a couple of activities. Maybe we'd do um, aerobics or Zumba, um, or if we're doing sports, maybe in the afternoon, we often have like water polo, again, in the pool. The water activity is always the favourite. And we'd, yeah, we'd lead a couple of activities and then have another really long break until about 8 p.m., um, or eight thirty, we would do a family disco for the kids. So that's a pretty cool part of the day as well. So we do we'd get dressed up in costumes and we'd do a bit of face painting for the kids, and then we'd basically just do party dances and games with them for about half an hour. So they have their moment on stage in the spotlight, and then we'd get ready and we'd do our do our show. Um, and we'd usually be done with the show around ten thirty, and we'd just hang around with the guests till about eleven. So it's like quite a long day, but we had really good breaks in between. So it made it, didn't seem long. That's good. Um, yeah. And again, it's like, yeah, one day off a week, which is kind of cool because it means you get to travel around and see whatever island you're working on. So which islands have you worked on? Um, so I did my first season on Rhodes. And then at the start of my second season, I was in Corfu. So that's much further north. Um, it's kind of quite close to mainland Greece. And then I moved to Crete, um, which is kind of, the biggest, the biggest Greek island, yeah. And then my last season, I was back in Rhodes again, um, which is kind of, it's kind of just become my, my sort of home base in Greece. I really like 
working on roads. Yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, an experience of a lifetime and I definitely re- recommend it to every young person, whether or not you're a dancer. Um, it's another just life-changing experience that I'm so grateful to have had, really. If someone was interested in doing that, what advice would you give to them or where should they look for jobs in Greece? Um, so the company I work for is called Remark Stancy Fun or Remark Agency. Um, and we actually run castings in New Zealand. We ran our first casting um, last year. Um, and unfortunately this year, the casting, because of COVID-19, we're doing everything online, all our castings. Um, so we're taking video auditions um, and they can find out information on that through, um, we've got a Facebook page called um, Entertainment Australia in New Zealand by Remark. Um, and so there'll be information coming out. Usually we do our castings in November. Um, so there'll be information coming out soon. And I would just say, um, just go for it. Like just apply, find out some more information, speak to speak to the people you know who may have um, visited that part of the world and then just take the plunge, take the risk, go over um, and have the time of your life basically. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll um, put the Facebook page in the show description so that people can find that. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. How are you finding um, casting online? Like, is, has it been good or just different to what you're used to? So, yeah, so we did some some like that last year as well. Um, and it's okay. I mean, it's not the same as, as seeing someone in person and, you know, feeling their energy um, in person. Um, and I think as well for people applying, it's more it's more challenging to to do a video audition as well um, for the dancers because often you're not quite sure what recruiters are looking for or what's best to show in your video. Um, so there's I mean there's challenges on both sides, but um, I think this year is definitely the better alternative. And if it gives people the opportunity from wherever they are to come and join us in Greece, I think I think it's great really. Yeah, totally. I think it's interesting just with casting in the industry in general, like how it will change even when we do get back to some sort of normality. Like if they decide that, yeah, online casting is actually really convenient um, or if, yeah, um, like you said, um, there's obviously a lot of positives with being able to see someone in person. So if they will go back to that or have an amalgamation of both, like it'll be really interesting. Yeah, I think there needs to be some sort of compromise somewhere. I mean, I I remember doing some you know, castings or or auditions in Europe for for ballet companies. And it's, you know, they're called cattle calls for a reason. Like there were hundreds of us there in really small studios. And it's like, that's not really safe. And it's not actually convenient as well. The dancers don't really feel like they're really getting to show what they can do. So I think there needs to be some some way to meet in the middle and do a combination of, of virtual auditions and live auditions, really. Yeah, and I think that would be great for us down here in New Zealand when often companies don't travel all the way here to host auditions. So yeah, Yeah, yeah. you often have to travel to Australia, or if you are lucky enough to be living overseas, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna say. Oh, I was gonna say. I see that you're also a choreographer. So I wanted to ask, like. What is your choreographic process like and who inspires your choreography? Right. So that's an interesting one. I mean, I, so in my second season in Greece, I went into a role as a, as a choreographer. Um, and then since then, my, my seasons after that, I was um, 
entertainment manager, which involved sort of really producing the whole show. So in terms of that, the, um, you know, what I'm thinking about when I'm choreographing or, or creating this show is that it's in Greece where performing to an audience who has not gone out and bought tickets to our show because they're buying into this all-inclusive package in a hotel. Um, they haven't they haven't gone out of their way to come and see it. It just happens to be there. So it's got to be a show that's very enticing in a way quite flashy and very accessible to, to all ages and all types of audiences. So we do very, um, very commercial shows. And when I'm choreographing, I definitely... Um, and, th and thinking more about the audience and it being pleasing to the audience than I am necessarily about making it artistic or meaningful. Yeah, so in that sense, I'm, I'm very much choreographing for the audience. And even having come, at, come back to New Zealand and I'm now doing more choreography for students, for competitions, for, for shows, I guess the intention there is more about the learning experience for them. So it's about creating something that will, will challenge them and, and teach them and point them in the right direction to something. So if I'm honest, it, it's, it's not often that I get to choreograph something with the intention of it just being choreographed for pleasure or choreographed for artistic reasons or um, to convey a message. So I guess, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say really where that inspiration comes from because I think it's it's different in every situation. Yeah, that's so true. Do you find it's almost easier choreographing for that purpose rather than trying to have like a yeah a meaning or some sort of like artistic flair? Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean I really enjoy choreographing for competition groups because um, that's when I get to have a bit of fun and get to make it you know more artistic as well as you know. A positive learning experience for those students but sometimes those guidelines in a way definitely make it easier because if the inspiration is not flowing then there are there is a pathway for you to follow whereas if you you don't have those guidelines or you're wanting it to be more artistic or, or convey a meaning then there's a lot of options and I find myself spending you know spending more time trying to convey a message um, and not quite getting it right um, so I guess I'm more of a perfectionist if I'm if I'm choreographing for artistic reasons than I am for you know learning outcomes or or just for pure entertainment. Yeah, it's so true. I am I'm someone who personally struggles with choreography a lot. So yeah, I guess if you're choreographing for a show for competition, do you find inspiration from the music? Like, do you normally just look for a soundtrack that you like and then maybe like Absolutely. play it and then yeah. just see what comes to you or? Yeah, I definitely start by looking for music and I've got to say that I'm really inspired by the dancers as well. So if I'm teaching a group, I quite like to to meet the dancers or at least see some footage from their like past past performances just to get like gauge the style and the energy of the group as well. Because um, that helps me a lot. And then, yeah, after I found a piece of music, then then, yeah, you just start building slowly, I guess. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me, I see that you've created Stage to Studio. So do you want to tell me about that, like what it is and why you started it? Yeah, for sure. So, the, I mean, that, that's just one of the, the positive things that has come out of the year of 2020 because there has to be some positives. Um, and it was basically just started, you know, I, I saw – that there are lots of dancers, um, New Zealand dancers, who had gone overseas and had been dancing professionally who had had to come back because of COVID. Um, 
and a lot of them were working other jobs, whether it was, you know, retail or hospitality. And I just thought there's so much talent uh, that is back in New Zealand at the moment. Um, it would be a shame not to use it. And also it, I was really hoping to help out some dancers who maybe didn't have a great source of income um, at that point of time. Um, so I started, I was originally just going to be one workshop um, up in Palmerston North um, Dean McHarris at Dean, Dean McHarris School of Dance very kindly offered us his studios and kind of gave me the push to get it all going. So I invited some of the teachers who I knew were back in New Zealand um, at the time and we went up and we did a two-day workshop, um, which was really cool. We had kids from Wellington all the way through up to Palmerston North um, coming and joining us. So that was very exciting and they were kind of all just asking like, when's the next one? So I put my thinking cap on and we've now, um, we're working towards the summer school. So a whole week, a five-day intensive um, in, in Parimata at Extreme Dance Studios. So it's kind of, it was just started as a small project and it's now, you know, turned into something a little bit bigger but with the same intentions of, you know, providing a source, you know, source of income or some money coming in for, for dancers who are back in New Zealand and also, you know, keeping, you know, the, the course be as cheap and as accessible as possible for the for the local dancers so that they can feed off that off the knowledge and the industry experience that these dancers have brought back to New Zealand with them yeah that's awesome I find like I love um overseas like let's say in America they have all those big conventions and I know we have Phoenix here and a few others but we don't get a lot of that so I think that's really awesome and yeah them being able to bring the expertise from overseas back into New Zealand I think it's really special yeah, no, it's cool, and the energy was great last time. So I'm hoping for another another positive and exciting event in January. Yeah, that's so exciting. So with Stage to Studio, I guess now that things are picking up, I know you probably didn't start it with the intention for it to grow, but do you think you'd want to potentially continue doing this like every year when you're back in New Zealand, or do you have a big vision for it now that you've kind of started this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, I'm very passionate about sharing dance and teaching has always been the end goal for me. So to be able to do that through stage to studio and reach lots of different students and young dancers from different dance schools, it's hugely inspiring to me and it's something that I'm really passionate about. So I think definitely it's something I want to carry on. I would love to be able to do a summer intensive every year to come back to New Zealand um, between contracts and Greece and and yeah, involve a lot of students. I mean, the, the ideal would be to, to be able to bring the intensive to different locations to reach more kids. And so hopefully in the future, we'll have the opportunity to build up to that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I'm sure everyone's going to love it. It sounds amazing. So I guess with everything that's happened in the world, with the pandemic and whatnot, um, life's kind of on hold at the moment. But how do you see your dance career looking after the pandemic? Yeah, so that's really interesting. And I mean, I definitely think since since leaving ballet and making that decision to sort of move away from the classical world, I've kind of just been going with the flow a little bit more. And I haven't really necessarily put in an intention or, you know, a, a really strong direction to my career. And I think that's partly because I spent so long, like probably, you know, a good 15 years just working towards a, a classical ballet career. So in a way, it's nice to just take the opportunities that, that come up as they come up. But I'm really enjoying my work in Greece. I see myself going back there and 
giving um, more New Zealand and Australian dancers the opportunity to come and experience that as well. And as well, you know, continuing teaching, choreographing and, and adjudicating in New Zealand because I feel very loyal to the dancers here and and sort of educating them and, and bringing them up in a way that's, that's positive and also, you know, in a way that they can make their mark on the dance world and on the dance industry. Yeah, totally. And that's awesome because... Yeah, it'd be nice um, being so young, having someone like you to look up to and see where they can take their dance career and know from the age that it doesn't just have to be a hobby. That's it. Yeah, having those those positive role models. I know I, I definitely had older seniors, senior dancers that I looked up to um, when I was younger. So no, I think that's I think it's great really, and I find the young ones just as inspiring and energetic, and and you know I get back all the all the good energy. So I guess like, what advice would you give to young aspiring dancers or even other professional dancers that are early on in their careers or perhaps have found themselves in a bit of a lull? I think, I mean, in general, I think a really good thing to go by and it's something I learned a little bit later on, um, but still earlier than some, it's, you know, train, train smart, not hard. Have an intention with your training and think, think about things before you do them you know every exercise have a think about it before you do it because mm. there's no need to do everything 10 times mm-hmm. um you know go in and do it right the first time um and you know pace yourself a little bit there's no need to <laughs> to do be able to do everything by the time you're 12 14 so you've, you've got time I guess would be would be the thing I recommend you've got time train smart not hard be patient with yourself I guess yeah it's really important to look after yourself like you said um you do have time Um, I know with some of the workshops that I've been a part of um those dancers that have been touring with um artists they're in their 30s even sometimes so it's like if you look after yourself yeah. Um, you can make a long career out of this. It doesn't, you know, your life, your dance life isn't over at 22 necessarily. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think especially like with ballet companies in Europe, I know from my experience auditioning and, and seeing my friends and my classmates audition as well, um, I was very lucky to get a contract at 19. They're yeah. not really looking at dancers under 20. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, unless you've come from a school with a huge name, mm. um, like the Royal Ballet School, <laughs> it's very, very, very unlikely that you're going to get offered a contract um, before you're 20. They're just looking, you know, it's, for the companies, it's less sure. It's more of a risk to to employ a young dancer. So they're looking for, you know, that extra bit of maturity and even older if you're looking at contemporary companies. Yeah, that, um, that's super interesting. I feel like... Yeah, really... I feel like it's um, more commonly thought to do your training to, you know, start full time training when you're 15 and to, you know, to graduate, you know, within two, three years. It's um, it's this unnecessary, like sped through training process. Yeah, um, totally. Which I think is yeah almost detrimental to the artistic development of dancers. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, well, I guess we can wrap things up there. It's been so amazing talking cool. to you. Um, you've had such an interesting journey so far. And I mean, you're still in the middle, or even the early stages of your career. So I'm sure there's <laughs> many more exciting things to come. But yeah, I'm so excited for everyone to hear this. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. It's been lovely to have a chat. 
yeah and good luck with everything and yeah I'll keep an eye out for the Remark auditions and the Stage Studio Intensive and <laughs> can't wait to see how it all goes cool oh thank you yeah. so much awesome yeah and fingers crossed I know the world stabilises <laughs> a little bit and we can all get back to doing what we love and being on stage that would be fabulous yes I hope so too so yeah thank you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your night <laughs>